Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, what is your favorite image of the Christian life? What's your favorite image of your relationship with God? Maybe it's that of parent and child. God is your gracious Father, and you are his beloved child. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in his bosom gather, nestling bird nor star in heaven, such a refuge air was given. It's a great image. Or maybe your favorite image is that of sheep and shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am Jesus' little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. For my shepherd gently guides me, knows my needs, and well provides me, loves me every day the same, even calls me by my name. That is a great image. Maybe it's a different image that you tend to cling to, maybe that of teacher and student, husband, wife, vine, branches. There's a lot of great images in Scripture. Today, in our epistle reading, Paul sets forward three images for our Christian life, and I don't think they're the ones that we really want to gravitate to, at least not in the way that Paul describes them. We're going to examine these three images this morning. And in keeping with our emphasis on our value of biblical teaching, I want to Again, encourage you to open up your Bible and turn to page 1268, page 1268, where we have our epistle reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, page 1268. The first image that Paul gives us in this text is that of soldier. And singing about it this morning, it's up there on the screen as part of my title, soldier. Here's what Paul says about that image in verses 3 and 4. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now initially I think there's something about this image that's very appealing to us. Onward Christian soldier marching as to war. Kind of fires us up the way that I was often fired up in my younger days watching a movie like Braveheart or Gladiator. Yeah! Now let's go out, let's fight. Something in us that that wants to fight, that wants to vanquish our foes. But is this image just as appealing when our commanding officer is giving us orders like, turn the other cheek, do not repay evil for evil, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In fact, it's quite interesting, the aspects of being a soldier that Paul focuses in on here. It's not going out there and battling your enemies and crushing them with better arguments, better insults. 
No. Paul focuses on two parts. Suffering and not getting entangled in civilian pursuits. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, people are not going to like you. A lot of people just simply will not like you simply because you bear that name of Christian. Jesus himself warned us of this in John chapter 15 when he says, A servant is not greater than his teacher. If they persecuted me, they will certainly persecute you. Some people just aren't going to like you. And Paul's advice when these situations arise, suffer. Patiently bear it. Do not inflict suffering on the ones who've inflicted suffering on you. Do not lash out at them, insult them as they have insulted you. No, suffer as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And the second thing that Paul says is that we should not get entangled in civilian pursuits. That we should always remember who enlisted us, who's in charge, and what our ultimate aim is. And I think this is timely advice for us, especially this time of year as we near election season, where we're all too tempted to throw all of our eggs into the political basket. Oh, if only this person is elected. Oh, if only this law is enacted. If only this political party takes control, then the church will be fine. Friends, the church is going to be fine. Church is always going to be fine because Christ is in control no matter what. No, don't get me wrong. Go out there, be a good citizen, vote, have concern about things going on around us. But don't get so entangled in all of it that you think this is the be-all, end-all for us. Because no matter who's elected, our calling's the same. Be the church. No matter what laws are enacted, Stand firm on God's word. Proclaim it to everyone. No matter what ideologies begin to take root out there, we are called to root in Jesus Christ, to equip others to root in Jesus. Nothing that happens on this or any other election day changes our mindset or our mission. And if you think that it does, then maybe you're too entangled in civilian pursuits or maybe you're not ready to suffer as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The second image that Paul gives us is that of athlete. In verse 5, he says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A lot of us, we love sports, probably in an unhealthy way, myself included. In fact, I, I guarantee, I almost guarantee that someone is going to miss worship this morning because there's something else going on right now. <laughs> Love sports. But what is it about sports that Paul focuses in on here? Is it the entertainment of it? Is it the camaraderie, the competitive spirit, the thrill of victory? No, Paul focuses on the rules. 
Compete according to the rules, Paul says. Kids are the worst at this. I'm sorry, but it's true. They are the worst at playing by the rules. In fact, I challenge you to find someone who plays games with kids who hasn't either experienced cheating or changing of the rules. Oh, kids love rules when somebody else is breaking them. Hey, they didn't touch second base. That's past interference. They shoved me. Hey, look, he traveled. You better call it. But when they break the rules, I didn't do it. They deny it or they change the rules. How often is that true for our Christian walk of faith? Oh, we love the rules when someone else is breaking them. Oh, look at that person, that cheats, that gossip, that drunkard. Look at them. But when we break the rules, I didn't do it. We deny it or we change the rules because our rules are better than God's anyway. But today, this morning, Paul calls us to compete according to the rules, to compete according to the will of God, to live our life in harmony with what he has called us to do. Start with these ten right here. Got ten good ones right here. Number one, shall have no other gods. Keep God first in your life. Number two, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't just say, oh my God, or Jesus Christ in a flippant manner. Respect his name. Three, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Set aside time for worship. Set aside time to rest. Four, honor your father and mother, which means you respect not only your parents, but all authorities in your life. Five, you shall not murder, which also means do not hate. Six, you shall not commit adultery, which also means do not lust. Seven, you shall not steal. Eight, you shall not give false testimony. Don't gossip. Nine and ten, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's spouse, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Compete according to the rules. The last image that Paul gives us is the image of a farmer. Verse 6, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. I'll tell you something about myself. There is something about me that is really interested in the life of a farmer. I love looking at images of barns and fields, and I've often told Sarah that in a different life, I think I would have loved to have been a farmer. That is, until I actually talk to one. (laughs) You get up at what time? And you're working until when? And why did you just laugh when I mentioned vacation time? I was being serious. You know what I learn when I talk to farmers? Farming is a lot of work. Hard, consistent work. Paul says that's the Christian life. So many people 
think that the Christian life sounds nice when it's that image of it. You know, maybe baptism, come to Christmas and Easter services, confirmation. It's nice when it's just this image. But when it's the reality of hard work, we're not so sure. But that's what Paul's calling us to today, that hard work, coming to worship week after week after week, spending time diligently in the Word of God, praying to God on a regular basis, getting to the task of equipping each generation to live rooted in Jesus Christ. We are called to put in the work. So three images for us. One, a good soldier. Two, an athlete who competes according to the rules. Three, hardworking farmer. Hard images for us to try to live up to, but as we do, there are two things that we need to keep in mind. Number one, we have the Word of God. As you go out as a good soldier, you are equipped with the best weapon that there is. For you can be bound. Paul was bound in prison, but Paul says the Word of God is not bound. People can try to rough you up, shut you up, silence you, but the Word of God cannot be silenced. This will always remain. So go out confidently, because what you have here is greater than anything that exists in the world around you. And as you compete according to the rules, here's your rule book. And here's the thing about this rule book. It's there for your good. Why do we have rules in sports? So that they can be fun. Nobody wants to play a game where someone's cheating or someone's just making up rules. That's why God gives us things to live by. It's for your good, for your benefit so that your relationships can be blessed, your work, your day-to-day living, so that it can be enriched. That's why he gives you these things, because he wants you to thrive. And as you put in the work like that hard-working farmer, this will give you a plentiful harvest. First and foremost for yourself, Paul says, it is the hard-working farmer who gets the first share of the crops. That's what Paul says. So as you spend time in this to be a blessing to others, it's first and foremost a blessing to you. So remember that you have the Word of God. And secondly, as Paul says in verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. See, as you go out into battle, you don't need to wonder what the outcome's going to be. Oh, I don't know. Are we going to win? Are we not? It's over. Jesus lives. The victory is won. It's over. Satan, death, sin, it's all been defeated, which means nothing out there can touch you. Ultimately, nothing can touch you. You might suffer for a moment, but you have the victory. It's finished. And this victor that you have, He is a gracious, loving, forgiving victor. The very end of our text, Paul has these incredible words for us. When you are faithless, Paul says, he is faithful. 
So as you go out and you get too entangled in civilian pursuits, Jesus Christ is faithful. When you don't want to suffer as a good soldier of the cross, Jesus is faithful. When you don't want to compete according to the rules, Jesus is faithful. When you're trying to create your own rules to live life your own way, Jesus is faithful. When you don't want to put in the work, when you're rather lazy about it, Jesus is faithful. In any and every situation, he is faithful to you day after day, forgiving you, loving you, giving you another chance. It's great news for us. So, dear friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit, go out and be a good soldier of the cross. Share in the suffering of Christ Jesus. Don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. Remember what your aim is. And go out and be an athlete who competes according to the rules, remembering that they're there for your own good. And go out and be that hardworking farmer, knowing that as you spend time in the Word, it's going to be a blessing to you as well. And as you do these things, as you go out as a good soldier, as an athlete, as that hardworking farmer, in your successes and your failures, cling to Jesus, cling to his word, and know that in all things, Jesus will always be faithful to you and that you, my friends, have the victory. Amen.